0: It's like a lot of people want to start a business. This is, the, this is one of the biggest fundamental things I think is a problem in startups is they have an idea for a business and it's like this. They want to have a party and they spend all day designing the invitation. It's pretty, it's clever. They used all their favorite colors and all their favorite stuff and they sent it out to everybody. And now they're so excited and proud of their invitation, but people are showing up now and they forgot to clean the house, buy food, plan a party, do anything else.
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a tactical one for you guys today. It's all about marketing. And I've got the owner of Pivot Creative, a full-service branding and marketing agency. And he's also the former owner of nine other businesses, both product, service, and hybrid, over the last 24 years. So he's got a ton of experience that we're going to dive into and learn from on this episode. Zach Lemire, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, Doug. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, we're we're gonna get right into it, okay? I'm a I'm a business, right? And my product is high end. It's B2B, right? Um, you know, maybe my price tag's around three hundred grand. Maybe I'm a, a software as a service product, something like that. How in the world are you gonna market a product like this that you can't just throw an ad on TV? You know, Facebook ads can't really target this. You know, LinkedIn, maybe some CTOs and stuff like that. But this is this is a challenge that I'm coming across with a lot of my clients in lead gen. So, what would be your solution to that?
0: Well, without having any data to go from, let's see what we can do with this. Right. Um, first and foremost, obviously, you want to know where they are, where they hang out, where they're where they're in, where they get their information, right? And at that level, they're going to be getting it from probably higher levels. So, you need to be seen and visible in those places. That's where, that's where it starts. Right. And this is a networking game. This is something that you really can't, can't advertise. I mean, you can in a very, very limited way though. This isn't, this like you were saying this 300 grand tickets, you know, this is a very high ticket item. These are not the people who are going to be shopping for this on their own. There's going to be many decision makers. There's going to be many places and that's why it's so critical to, Build that network because what happens is you really want to get that champion that's already in the organization to help leverage your idea and almost sponsor it and champion it to the key stakeholders because there's always going to be many and it's always going to be a long conversation. Um, But if your value is there and your pitch is compelling, it's it's just about being in the right rooms consistently enough and, and being connected.
1: I love it. I love your answer on the Zach, because it is, it's heavy in my background, which is direct sales person to person interacting with another human being. Um, You, you know, and the the argument is always to be, well, I can, I can uh, get this lookalike audience and attack that lookalike audience. And maybe, you know, the CTOs in the company or the, 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 the CMOs or, you know, the person, the salespeople even that use the marketing and create this conversation. Right. But you're, as far as the quickest way to get a sale, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's what I'm doing with a lot of my clients. And if you notice, I, I came out of the gate hot. I hit you with a tough question right out of the gate. Yeah. And I handled it very well. And I only did that because I knew you could handle it, brother. I mean, you were, we we met at the Badass Business Conference. And uh, that is uh, Champions, uh, Champions, Success uh, Success Champions, Champions,
0: Success Champions Network. Sorry, yeah.
1: Success Champions Network. That is Donny Boyvines' event. And you were just laying it on people you know problem after problem you were solving them in the room and so i knew if i hit you with something out of the gate it would get our listeners excited tune them in real fast but your expertise is across the board right mainly strategy and branding is what you're doing right now and then your team is doing the marketing the sales and the Mm -hmm. uh fulfillment of that right and so where are you recognizing that a lot of businesses are missing the boat when it comes to their legion when it comes to their marketing and their branding is, is there these glaring areas that you're seeing right now
0: oh absolutely um we've built a product around it actually um but basically i think that their their fundamental issues is that they they have an idea and they market too fast they don't do the research they don't take the time to qualify and quantify the idea they don't take the time to find out who needs this product or this, you know, what exactly, I mean, there's so many places that this could go. I mean, is this a, is this a luxury item? Is this a necessity item? Is that, you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many different things, but you got to figure out where you stand and where your your position is in the market that you want to serve and what your brand needs to do to stand out. And if it's a crowded market, um, you're going to have to be radically different and liquid death, that the water i love using that example all the time because it's a perfect example i mean the biggest drink makers in the world have a stranglehold on the bottled water market and they found a way to jump in first it's in a can not in a bottle yeah which is very different you know for just water and second it's got that anti brand kind of liquid death murder your thirst it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah and why they they chose, but you really got to, if, if you're going to want to break into a market when you're, when you're trying to tap into something very crowded, you really got to commit to that fundamental difference that you are, or what you do, mm-hmm. um, and lean hard into it. Um, did I answer your question?
1: Yeah. I mean, cause the first thing you talked about was investing that time to do the research, to actually figure out how to approach the market. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think I think what we hear a lot from stage at conferences and in uh, virtual events and stuff like that is very much like just take action. You know, that's a trendy kind of thing to say right now. You know, and what I what I love about you is you're speaking from experience and you're speaking from tactics that you're deploying for your actual clients, right? And so, I do I do appreciate this concept because, you know, whether it's the development of the avatar. Or the strategy to market these things have to happen first. You know, it's one thing if you're if you're jumping into a business that is traditional, and you know exactly how it works. You're just very good at operating that section of the business, and you're going to execute on that, right? It's another thing if you're entering a crowded market like Liquid Death. You know, it's kind of crazy. I always look for these little signs that I am talking, doing business with, associating myself with the right people. I literally bought uh, two cans of liquid death over the weekend while me and my wife were traveling from Corpus Christi to to uh, San Antonio back home and uh, the reason I got those was because you know we had had some fun the night before you know we didn't have too many drinks but we had enough to where I was thirsty the next day you know and uh, I was saying that my sister-in-law she didn't have any water in the house which is crazy to me because you do not drink the water in Corpus Christi from tap you just don't do it (laughs) and so We go to the gas station first and I'm looking at all the water and everything. And I'm just like, Dasani has an aftertaste, you know. Fiji is pretty good, but it's crazy expensive for no reason. And then I saw the liquid death cans. And I'm like, you know what? This is what I always drink at shows and at like events and stuff like that, anyways. Why don't I just grab a couple of these? And so I put it right in the middle. Uh, and my wife's looking at it and she's like, I thought you were getting water. I don't want a beer (laughs) because it looks like a beer, looks like a Miller Light, right? And um she, I'm like, no, that's water, and it's really good water. Like, and, and, water's water, right? But this yeah. is really good water, and the fact that it's in a can makes it better, in my opinion. And um, so she has it or whatever, and she likes it and everything. But it was just crazy to me that she hadn't heard of it yet, you know, because it was. It, it went viral for a while there. It was like the the cool thing to drink was now Liquid Death instead of Topo Chico, you know? Everybody was drinking yeah. the Topo Chicos and walking around with those, and now it's Liquid Death, you know? and uh it just illustrates your point though they they probably spent an ungodly amount of money to create that brand that image that that you know that go-to-market strategy and it worked beautifully for them you know Mm -hmm. so there is a balance there somewhere you got to take action maybe you want your market research is doing some cold pitches and some figuring out you know, what your sales process is going to be and everything and then figuring out what the interest and the feedback is that's part of your market research as long as it's part of a bigger plan that you're putting mm-hmm. together on your go-to-market strategy, right?
0: Precisely. It's not just you going into it, jumping right in, and then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And if it works, you have no idea how. And mm-hmm. that's that's the real risk you're taking is, is, is it's like this. It's like putting on a blindfold and shooting 100 arrows in the air and then waiting to hear which one's hit. Right? You take the blindfold off. Maybe you got three bullseyes, but you have no idea how to do it twice. Now, you also waste. You <laughs> also that. wasted 97 arrows, right? So you could spend the time or spend the money that would cost for half that many arrows to only need three and hit each one each time and know exactly how to repeat it. And that's where the power is. And that's where the big piece is that I think a lot of people miss is... Nobody buys or sells anything but brands. When's the last time you went to store to buy a thing? Never. You went to Target to buy a Dyson. You went to Amazon to buy K-Cups. You went to brands to buy a brand. And I have, I have two case studies in my pocket all the time about this because brands are all the people that buy and sell. You could destroy your business and do the worst possible things you can. And if there's equity in your brand, it's still valuable. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Toys R Us. They have nothing. They went bankrupt. They did one of they. They made a huge mistake by ignoring, uh, basically or not really nurturing the online space, and then diluting their brand with Kids R Us and to- and Babies R Us instead of focusing on what they really were good at, um, and trying to compete in the new space. So they have no infrastructure. They went bankrupt. They're in debt. They have nothing, except for the ownership of the IP of the brand. Which, by the way, is a really stupid name. Toys are Us, but it does. There's another case study here to say that, like, the mean, the, the, a name doesn't matter as much as you think it does because it's your job as a branding person to make that name be synonymous with something else. Yeah. What the hell's a Google? Google <laughs> is actually a number, right? It's yeah. but but nobody knows what that means. Photoshop. Right, like it's a verb now, like like that's another layer. But anyway, um, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, nobody buys or sells anything but brands. So so the thing is, is that Toys R Us lost everything. Macy's, like three years ago or so, bought Toys R Us. Why? Because nobody buys or sells anything but brands. Yeah. And so they bought the relationship that my generation and other generations have with Toys R Us. I now I will go into a Macy's when I normally wouldn't have because I'm a Toys R Us kid. And that's the power of branding and branding helps empower your sales team to get right back full circle, right? When, when we're talking about avatars, at least when we do it, we pair them with psychological archetypes and, and, and make sure that you understand how they think and feel who they are and what they need. That's what you need before you, you step out into the market, but you got to jump in a little bit, dip your toe and, and, and be meaningful and mindful and strategic, like you were saying, and log the data, find the trends find opportunities. What's the threats? I mean, that's another thing we do. We do the SWOT analysis, you know, because you've got to really understand where you are in the market, where you stand as as a company and then how to communicate that difference and that value. And that's really what marketing is because you know what? Another thing about marketing is that marketing is not about you. It's not about talking about yourself. It's about getting other people to talk about you. That's what marketing is, but you can't market well if you don't have anything to say, that's a brand. You have no personality, nothing to share. It's like a lot of people wanna start a business. This is the this is one of the biggest fundamental things I think is a problem in startups is they have an idea for a business and it's like this. They wanna have a party and they spend all day designing the invitation. It's pretty, it's clever. They used all their favorite colors and all their favorite stuff and they sent it out to everybody. And now they're so excited and proud of their invitation. But people are showing up now and they forgot to clean the house, buy food, plan a party, do anything else. Because they were so focused on the thing that they wanted, their favorite colors and their favorites. And it's like they didn't do the work. And now what what did you invite your people to? What did you invite people to? You invited them to a mess. And now your first impression is your worst impression. I like to speak and rhyme a lot because it's easy to remember.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that was, uh, if you have, if you are not driving, pull over and make sure you write a lot of that stuff down because you're going to need it to execute on what Zach is talking about. But yeah, there was like five or six just amazing nuggets in there. The one that I want to kind of talk about that relates to the show, obviously, is building that brand so that it empowers your sales team. You talked about that a little bit but I've seen so many amazing examples of this in the past, you know, and I am, I'm a competitive guy, right? So someone comes to me and says, I sold 2 million in business. You know, I'm a great salesperson. That's not enough for me to, to qualify them as a great salesperson, right? Because I know it could be solar, right? And every, every ticket is 70 to 80 grand and it's a very, you know, offsetting sale. So it's, it's not a big deal. Right. And the sale takes an hour, maybe. Oh, I also know that they could have an amazing brand that they sell, right? So for me in the early days, it was AT&T, you know, hate it or love it. It's a massive brand and you, you trust it as much as you would a fortune, you know, 20 company. Right. And so right away, you know, that that service has to be delivered or they're going to have to answer the FTC or they're going to answer to the general marketplace or social media or their brand's going to suffer. They have something great to lose. Right. And so, you know, uh, one of the examples that I, I could say is like uh, the the mastermind groups that we're in, right? There's somebody that's selling those products in those groups. And uh, depending on how well the leader of that group has developed his, his or her brand, that, that makes it easier on the salesperson to sell it. But if you're not developing your brand like you're saying, then all of a sudden I'm basically selling from scratch. You know, it's more of that like door-to-door sale than it is in order to take yourself, right? It's, and so- it's
0: worse. It's actually worse than that. Um, if I can interject for a second, because sure. now it's now it's left up to their own personal interpretation of what they think your brand is. And really, what it what what a brand's job is, is to be easy to recognize, easy to communicate and share, and easy to remember. That's what a visual identity is for. The rest of your brand is the promises you keep consistently every single day. Because there's lots of businesses out there right now that have a terrible logo, shit logo, but are million dollar businesses because they deliver on their promise. Now, what they're doing is they're doing themselves a disservice because nobody knows who they are. They couldn't recognize them or remember them. And it's hard to communicate what they do. But it's not a brand is not a logo. It's the promises you keep. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the it's it's how you show up in every way possible. And how you want everyone to represent your brand. That's what the whole on-brand thing is about. But anyway, I digress a little bit.
1: No, a brand is not a logo. It's the promises you keep. Quote it, slap it on a poster board because everybody needs to hear that one hundred percent. So we do these uh after, after, uh, after-show content pieces, right? That we put out reels and stuff like that of the some of the nuggets from the show. And one of the things that we do sometimes is we'll quote. The, the guest on the show. And that's definitely going to be one of the quotes that we do. So Ryan, write that down. Nika can slap that together real quick and we're going to push that everywhere. So that's awesome. I, I, I need you to that. repeat it one more time. Cause I've, I've just been soaking in this episode. Like you're speaking my language <laughs> heavy. So um, the brand is the promises you keep. No, a it's brand not a is
0: not a logo. It's the promises you keep. Got it. It's written down.
1: Awesome. So to kind of illustrate That point a little bit you know when when i started consulting it was more of a need that people had of me you know i didn't have the brand put together anything like that so i just kind of ran under the same company that i operated my sales teams with right and as the podcast came out that kind of that that kind of gave birth to the brand which was building great sales teams you know and so Eventually, Ryan put together a logo for us, right? And then the backwards hat became part of the brand. And let's get building became my tagline. And uh, brick by brick, building is a big part of the brand, right? But the actual work that I do is not sexy. It's document-based. It's system-based. Mm-hmm. It's It's boring. <laughs> it's the stuff you don't wanna do in your business which is why you haven't done it to this point, which is why you hire me, right? And so, uh, but w- without that brand, you know, and that podcast and and everything that we're doing, it would be so hard for me to sell what I do. You know, when they come in, they're already half sold because they've seen me on social media. They've maybe used some of my loss leaders and stuff like that. Some of the tactical stuff that I've given out. But at the end of the day, they're, they're buying me because I've built that authority. You know, and they're like, well, this doesn't look sexy. looks kind of boring, but you're going to do it. And you say it's what I need to do to scale. And so I'm going to go with that because I'm already half sold because you built that authority with the podcast and with the speaking engagements and everything that you've done. Right. And so to me, that is a big investment. The podcast, the speaking engagements, the social media posts, that's all investments in that brand. Am 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 I going down the right track there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's brand awareness to get branded retention and then brand ad, brand advocacy and loyalty. That's really, that's, that's really where you want, right? Where, where you've got brand advocacy. It's great mm-hmm. to be, that people know. And then there's great that people remember, but you want, you want them to take sides, right? Like you, to be a good brand, you've got to take you've got to have a position and you've got to be comfortable with who you're attracting and who you're repelling. But the other thing about a brand that most people don't know is it's it's the basis for how you hire and why you fire. It is something, if you have it figured out, and I can explain this, if you have it figured out properly, it will lower the attrition rate on your internal employees and it will save you so much money and time and hassle. Because if you have your purpose, your vision, your mission, and your core values really, really dialed in. To make sure that these core values are not just something that can be influenced by new information or new experiences. These are unflappable. This is the Ten Commandments. You hire and fire based on these. We do this and and don't tell me integrity. Tell me how integrity manifests itself in every essence of your business and every person you allow to work for you. This is how you attract leaders. This is how you attract the right uh, clients. And you've got to be okay with repelling those other clients. But there's, there's another fundamental thing with salespeople is they sometimes don't, they don't stick to a lane and they'll try and get any sale possible and it's, and and they'll sell, sometimes they'll oversell, which, which can be a huge problem in, in product development when they're selling things that don't even exist, especially with software. But to get back to your original question about how does a good brand and a solid brand empower your sales team, this is how it does it. If you can be clear and focused and consistent and easy to remember and easy to share, that is half the battle of any sales pitch. You don't have to do any work. You don't have to come up with something clever. And the more that your sales team is doing this consistently, the more you're building brand awareness and retention, because they're all saying the same thing, not their own interpretation of something else. Right. Right? And I use an an analogy here. where, like, it's, it's, it's akin to this. If you had a plot of land and you had like three or four crews to come build you a structure of some kind, you want it to be a house. You thought you said house, but there's no direction and there's no foundation built. So all these people come in, First crew comes in, builds something, the other part, you come over at the end of it and there's 40 sheds built on your property. Now they're beautiful sheds. They're technically perfect. They did nothing wrong. They just didn't have the correct direction. Now, if you had that foundation down there, the first crew would have been like, obviously we're going to make the first floor. Then the second crew, well, obviously we're going to make the second floor and then the roof and so on. And now you've built something with equity, something you can own. And that's the significance of having your strong brand as your foundation. It helps and empowers all your salespeople to be consistent. And now it's easier for you to onboard them. It's not as high risk for you to lose them. I mean, it echoes through every piece of your business. And the people that don't understand that are the people that are doing their own business a disservice because it's not operating as efficiently and as powerfully as it could for very little work. In fact, this is about doing less work. Mm -hmm. And and, and some people will be rather, they'll jump right into marketing and they have nothing to sell. They don't even know what they sell. Car salesmen don't sell cars. And I I promise you that the car salesman that sells cars is the worst salesman in the lot. (laughs) Right? Because they sell plenty of room in the back seat for crayons and snacks. That's what they sell. They sell a pay bump and I want to show everybody. That's the kind of thing that they sell. And then when all of that is sold, then they can get down to the money part and the financing. But don't start with that stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just get it backwards. So, so in some in summary, you know, like really being clear and focused and understanding and consistent. It empowers the sales teams to to have everything and armed with all of the right information that'll be consistent when, because this is very top of funnel stuff, the sales, the sales pipeline, right? So if that's being funneled down into a website or a landing page, and that's not the same language, it's not the same conversation, then you've wasted your time Mm -hmm. because now there's a barrier. You're building walls, you're creating, you're not building funnels, you're building mazes and people spend so much money at top of funnel stuff and have nothing to receive it. And, and having all of this in place and having the right people behind the phones because they believe in the core values that you believe in. Those are the people you want answering the phones. It's a difference between having people that work at Google and having people that work at the gas station. Gas station's a warm body. Google, you can't wait to tell everyone you've ever met in your life this is where you work. That's the difference between your core values and a business that doesn't have them. And that's a powerful difference.
1: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It it completely, dialing that in completely changed my business over the last year. And we had to go through some tough times and still are because of that. But I know that the brand on the other side is going to be something that attracts the best players in the industry and the best clients in the industry. And so, so what's the first step, you know, first step building that brand? The first step I mean, some people are listening to this right now and they're like, Oh shit. I missed this whole thing. I didn't do any of this. So there's so
0: many horror stories of how poor branding can hurt your company. I mean, mergers and acquisitions, there's legitimately a 25% attrition rate on all the clientele or the customer base that you've just onboarded and and even an ill culture fit. And so now you've got clashes in culture between the two businesses and they're not going to be consistent. And, all of that is a, millions and millions of dollars of loss because they didn't want to take twenty grand and do the research. Yeah. So I'm w- I'm I'm gonna go back to it. You you've got to start with qualifying the idea, right? Before you jump into marketing. I know you're passionate about it. And then the next thing is is and I, I know this is also hard. Even if you are a personal brand, the brand is never about you. Yeah. You've got to separate yourself from the brand. I've, this I've isn't gotten, about your favorite colors.
1: Yeah, I've gotten stuck so many times. I caught myself saying "I," whether it's in my copy, or proposals, or uh, a sales deck, or whatever the case is. I have caught myself saying "I" instead of "we." And, and I no, get you can it.
0: you can take the first person. That's not what I mean. What I mean is is Lady Gaga. Okay, doesn't dress or act like that at home. Oh, there's, two I see what you're saying. Yeah. there's even though that's her personal brand. Yeah. But her, her real life is not the same thing. Authenticity is not transparency. That mm-hmm. is one big thing people don't get. You don't have to tell everyone everything about your life to be authentic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the, but, but the risk of being so weird, like Lady Gaga is you also have to be really effing good and you have to be effing good all the time because <laughs> yeah. that, because that's the promise she made to her audience. And the reason why her brand is strong is because of the promises she keeps Mm -hmm. not because of her weird meat suits and crazy outlandish stunts, but the promises she keeps to her audience and that builds community. Um, anyway, I think I'm going down a rabbit hole. (laughs) No, but
1: I mean, that's another, uh, another subject, I guess, is, uh, that, that like guerrilla marketing or that, that, um, what what is it called? What's that word? You said outlandish, but there's another word for it. It's uh, you, you know, you're doing something uh, since sens- not sensationalized, but
0: you know I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. so um, that
1: type of that type of marketing have have you seen that work in your in your business? I mean, I know that's probably not your your fortune. Really? No, no, no.
0: It it really depends, right? Like again, like if you have to break into a market, here's a good example. Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna go back to the liquid death yeah um so if you have to break into a very crowded market you've got to be phenomenally different you've got to commit hard and this is how liquid death does it okay liquid death originally did this with like because apparently like all the uh the people on like the metal bands or whatever didn't want to have monster drinks or whatever but they also didn't want to have you know, wussy-looking bottles of water. So they made Liquid yeah. Death look like badass. So they have these badass drinks, but because they said they were just dumping out the monster and putting water in it anyway. Mm. So that it, and so that was part of. So again, look for something like that. But um, as an, that as an yeah, opportunity, as an opportunity. So um, uh,
1: shock value is what I was alluding oh, to. Oh yeah, shock value. Yeah. So we create if, that if you're
0: gonna value. be if you're gonna be like that, you've got to commit hard. And so another thing that happened with liquid death was someone wrote some feedback in social media that said, I'd rather look the lick the sweat off of a fat man's back than drink liquid death. Okay, they could have just let that go. But they found <laughs> that as an opportunity for an entire campaign, okay, with an A-B test Pepsi challenge of a legit fat man wearing no shirt that they put in a sauna. And their and their stuff, and they had legit people come in. This is you can look this up online. Oh no. no, they didn't. and some people lick the back. Oh, it is it is putrid, it's disgusting. But they do the Pepsi challenge where they, they go, Really? Let's find out. And they lean into it. Oh my gosh. Because it's part <laughs> of their brain. It, they, and that makes perfect sense with their brand. Right? They have a very irreverent tone of voice. So so anyway, to, to get back to your original question, like how do you get started? It's it's qualifying the idea and doing the research because many people jump in before they even, and don't qualify it by your favorite friend, your friends and your family, like really go out and test it. In the if strangers think it's a good idea, then that's good. And with a logo, here's the biggest tip I can ever give you. Never qualify it based on your personal aesthetic. And what I mean by that is don't, don't get a logo done and then say, yeah, this looks good. And then ask other people to qualify it by say, do you like what the way this looks? What do you think of this? Does this look good to you? No, take away the words and then ask them what you do because the role of a logo is to communicate visually. Mm-hmm. One of the best logos I've ever seen, which I know they didn't even do this on purpose, but one of the best logos I've ever seen, I think was actually down the street in Manchester, New Hampshire. And it was some like shipping company and it was about precious cargo, right? and And the logo symbol was a rhinoceros with a tiny little bird on top and where there's no safer place for that cargo than on top of that rhino and they were taking the position of we're your rhino basically and they didn't know they were saying that, but oh it was so good because you didn't need words and that's what a good logo can 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 do.
1: Ryan, we got to change our logo <laughs>
0: We're it's already changing the name of, of the podcast.
1: Question. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. No, for the consulting company though, we got to change the logo now. Now it's it's done deal. We got to change it. Well,
0: you know a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> so when it comes to to marketing, right, and you're talking about doing this research, and one of the best ways I've seen to pull data is is having the proper CRM in place to be able to yes. send out surveys to get the feedback that data comes in, organizes it and you can immediately has an immediate impact when it, when it comes back to you as, as well as on the sales side, you know, where you can see conversion rates and you can start to kind of pick apart whether it's the sales process, the uh, customer experience, um, the onboarding experience for the client, you can start picking apart these things and looking at, okay, where do things start falling apart, right? What are what are the the systems that you like using for these types of things and um, you know what are you recommending right now for that type of stuff
0: okay so that's a good question so let's just say that you have qualified this idea and now you know it's a good idea it's a marketable idea there's definitely something you can do in a way that you can stand out um, because once you have that now it's about building a list to send to and that's right. that's a different. That, that's a whole nother ball of wax. But we are actually partners with HubSpot and with Keep, but we are not a fans of MailChimp. MailChimp is good. Keep, I like because it comes with phone numbers. Like our number is one six zero three eighty two pivot That's a Keep number. Every yeah. phone call goes into that system and it'll you can automate all kinds of workflows through it. You can put all of your stuff. You can automate responsive emails. You can do your landing page forms. Um, it's nowhere near as robust as HubSpot, and it's that's why it's only a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, Keep is actually uh, formerly Infusionsoft, but they have a, a more consumer-friendly version of it now. Um, but we are also um, full-fledged partners with HubSpot, uh, which mm-hmm. has many, 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 many things that it can do. But it is very expensive and is really for existing multi-million dollar businesses, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. At least a million. Before you can really leverage the power of it in a way that's meaningful for the price,
1: uh, that makes a ton of sense. You know, we're playing mainly with go high level right now, and it's because it kind of bridges that that gap between the basic CRM and okay, now I have a system that can actually do marketing. You know, but I'm not a million dollar company quite yet. But obviously, mm-hmm. we have clients that are you know million dollar plus companies that are using it. Um, it's scalable, but. Uh, that That's that's the feedback I've gotten too, because I'm not a CRM specialist. You know, we have one in our consulting firm and the feedback we've gotten is like, HubSpot can do a little more. And then if you're just rolling in the dough, Salesforce after that, you know what I mean? That for yeah, sales Salesforce
0: is, is, expensive. in, in <laughs> a previous life, I was a web developer too and I did user interface design stuff. And I worked with a company that was integrating into Salesforce and it is a complicated beast. It's really for the enterprise level. Yeah, but there's like when nothing. you truly have a sales force and not a team. Yeah,
1: I uh, you know, when we were using it, we had about 50 people and yeah. just, just there was nothing we couldn't do in it, you know, and it was a, a fantastic tool. I had no idea how to make it tick, but I used the crap out of it. You know? And so um, now I appreciate that, that that feedback on that, because I think that's what people a lot of people run into that decision between what they're going to adopt. But what i would encourage people to do is more it's it's about the builder and not the software right yeah uh if somebody is giving you a snapshot you know and and again if you're a hundred thousand dollar business that's fine and and you're in an industry that's proven and a model that's proven that's fine but outside of that it's about the architect that puts together your workflows and everything that is where the magic happens the system is secondary to that
0: in, in in my opinion what are your thoughts well, no, I I think the systems are last. So like, I think there's four things that make or break every business. It's clarity, focus, consistency, and systems, because it has to happen in that order. You can't be focused until you're clear. You can't mm-hmm. be consistent until you've been focused, right? And then you can't really develop systems until you've developed, developed enough consistency to see trends and patterns and what can be delegated and automated. And now you really know how to leverage these systems and you can stop working in the business and you can start really leveraging other things because a lot of people also like they'll get a VA really super early, but they don't have any processes documented. So now they're spending their entire day answering questions that are more beneath them than the task they just delegated. Yeah, and now they're paying for it twice, all because they didn't take twenty minutes. This is what like it's cheaper to 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 prepare than it is to repair. Mm-hmm. There's another rhyming. Scenario. That's how I,
1: that's how I recognize good VA companies is if they make you go through a hellish discovery process in order to hire someone because sure. then then they're going to want a little a, a, at least a few sops for them to start operating on and then here, here's the beautiful thing about that though if you get them started with the major things that you're delegating then anything on top of that that they create in the future they can use those sops and duplicate them for those new tasks you know what i'm saying where you can send them a video of you doing the thing then they can create the sop that's that's one level of I guess, scale that a, a lot of people aren't taking advantage of. Once they know how to work within your SOPs, which are all written differently, right? So they got to learn them first, how you function. And, you know, if you give an instruction, like what that really means, or is there more steps to it that you're not saying, you know? And so once they figure that part out, then they can duplicate those for, you know, more of the the work that you want to take over. So that's a big part of it too, I feel like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and these systems are definitely crucial at some point, but the other thing too, is you've got to get on the ground and do some testing of this in the, in the market, right? Like you've got to figure out and test other products and test other things and test other services, right? You really call your competitors and then just pretend you need their service and figure out their process it's not stealing it's not unethical it's doing your research it's the sucky yeah. horrible work of of business that nobody thinks is fun because it isn't and it's not the thing that most people glamorize because nobody would do it yeah. but real business owners understand what's required and I like I said like like you were saying I this is my tenth business um over the last 24 years and they weren't all not great businesses like I think three businesses actually did well mm-hmm Right. But I started in some of them, I was either either ill equipped to pull it off. I was a little ahead of my time. So there wasn't an infrastructure to support it. Or I just screwed it up. (laughs) I just, I just blew it hard and learned really a lot, you know, which is why like the last couple of businesses have really, really been good. This one, this one is the best one. And it's probably not my last.
1: You know, it's crazy. A lot of our conviction comes from our failures and not our successes. Yeah. You know, when we, we want to brag and we want to gain authority. The successes may be relevant, but when we, like, do not do this, like, if you're doing this, you're you're fucking up, basically. When we say things like that, it is from failure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that is just as important, if not more important than the wins, you know, in my mind. And so uh, I love that you've got that 24 years of experience. Can you walk us through? some of that history leading up to the business that you have now? Sure. Um, like, did you just wake up one day and just say, Hey, I want to be a business owner.
0: Well, first I just want to, I want to end the last piece is is two things. Experience comes from success, but wisdom comes from failure. And wisdom has experience baked in. So for this, you're getting way more bang for your buck going for the wisdom. Um, so to go back through, um, Okay. Well, I've, I've always kind of had business in my blood and I didn't know it, but you know, just even sales. When I was a kid, we would do the door to doors for the fundraisers and we sell candy bars. And when everyone else was going door to door, I'd go to businesses and drop off a case. And I'd say, I'll come back with a new case when it's empty. And so I blow everybody out of the water just because I, and I, and I would do half the work and I just understood it in a different way. My mom kind of was a salesperson um, but I've always just been attracted to business and, and seeing the opportunities in, in angles. And I even was like, all right, I'll tell you, this is, if you really want get a, a timeline, I guess it would start when I was 11 and I did my first, um, lemonade stand. And I tell the story sometimes because I think it's a great explanation of like a, a an origin story for, for me, um, and I started it and I had everything. And my mom actually made me buy the cups from her and buy the water and the lemons and everything like legitimate. Right. And so I like, I was learning business law like lessons, but I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so within an hour though, I had set up a second table across the street. So I had both sides of the street and I had the neighbor's kids working it. And I was upstairs in my bedroom, looking through all my junk drawers to make little grab bags so I could scale up. Again, I did not know I was doing this. Right. Right but this is just who I am. <laughs> yeah. And and it's just what I saw. I was like, oh man, I can make more money. I can do quarters here and quarters there. And I was being robbed blind by the neighbor's kids, but that's irrelevant. I was 11. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it sounds like what happened to me between 23 and 26 in my business.
0: <laughs> it's Like just, that was on so
1: point. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was being robbed blind at the same time. <laughs> Continue, so so right. I
0: guess, and then and then I just kind of had a knack for it. And I was good at sales. I'd always help people with their sales. If anything, I'd sell raffle tickets. I, I electively decided to get a, um, a, a telemarketing job when I was 15 because I wanted to be Navy SEAL trained in rejection. And so here's the thing. When I was 15, that was 1995. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have anything. We had the phone book and a legitimate phone with a cord on it. <laughs> and that's it. And guts. And that's it. And I'm like, if I can call random people and get them to give me money, there's probably nothing I can't sell. And it was just how, again, and it was just something I decided to do. I try to work to learn more to work to earn. Right. Like, so fast forward, uh, I'm going to college and got a bunch of side hustles going, um, here or there, uh, And then I decide I want to know how starting a business works for real. Now I'm also going to art school, by the way, with a minor in business. So most of my classes were art, but I had like microeconomics and entrepreneurial classes and I had like a minor Mm -hmm. course load and I really loved it. Um, But I was like, I can't figure this out through books. I need to know how it works. Now I'm in Boston. I'm in, I'm in Beverly mass at this time um, at Endicott. So I had to go register in this in Boston, which was crazy expensive. And but I went down and did it. And then word got back to my economics teacher and he was very impressed because not even his business students with a business major were doing things like that to learn. And I was really just, just trying to level up because I I knew that if I I was, I was really interested in art, but I knew I couldn't sell it. So I I decided to do graphic design and then web design, because that was the only thing I could, that's the only way you could really monetize this. And there's never going to be a shortage of advertising. So that's really where my, my, sales to marketing started to, to blossom was in school. Um, and then I graduated there and then I, and then I was like, you know, and I have, I have an unreasonable amount of confidence in myself, like a sociopathic level of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so Love that. I'm at the, so I'm at the end of my thing and I'm like, you know, I could probably tutor most of these kids in my classes. I don't want to start an entry-level job coming out of school; that's going to just piss me off. And so, so I decided to start a business, a real a real marketing agency, and it was called Viva La Pixel, and I had it for a decade. Um, and that was like my first legitimate business that actually sustained me, and I was working it full time, and and it was great. I learned a lot, um, and then I learned how to code a little bit, and I had a bunch of people, and it and it was it was not as big as Pivot is. um, but it was there was a reason why I didn't want to create a new marketing agency out of my business, and I merged into this one, and that'll be a story that I tell you in a minute. Okay. Uh, so that Vivala Pixel. Now during that time, I also had a t-shirt company called Hilarities. I had a dining service called that was basically Yelp before Yelp existed, called Search and Dine, and it was just for New England. And I had it built, and I had like I was trying to work out deals with the new the New England Restaurant Association because nobody had the means to make websites and nobody had, um, um, any kind of like menus online, especially pizza places. So it's like, there's a billion pizza places, even if I just make this for pizza places. And then I had a model where you buy like advertising, very similar to what Amazon's doing right now, but there was no way for me to keep the database, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, really it wasn't. And there was no way to keep the database. I, I was hiring people to look through every magazine and newspaper to find openings and closings of places because there was no way to find out. And so it was really tough. Um but anyway, so like again, so there was a few others. Um, I don't even know. And then fast forward a little bit, I decided to sell that business because it turned into me managing my people and chasing money, and that's not what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. I was like, if this business isn't doing this exact thing, and I said a really hard boundary, um, by this date, I'm gonna sell it, I'm gonna sell the assets and I'm just gonna get out. And that's exactly what happened. It was like 10 years on the button. Um and I was like, Nope, it's just not doing it all. I'm, st- I'm just still chasing money. And that, and this is just awful. And I don't want anything to do with this anymore. So I, plus I had new family coming. Um, I just had a baby and I was having another one on the way. So I wanted to spend more time with my kids, but I'm like, crap, I've spent, I went right out of college and spent 10 years working for myself. I don't know how I'm going to put this on a resume, Right. Like, so, so it took me a minute to figure out how to, how to position myself back in the market of, of being an employee. Yeah. Um, and, and so it took a while and I finally got a job and did, I, I worked like a bunch of different things in the, the advertising and the, the web development and user interface and, and usability space and the accessibility space um, for a while. And then I just kept, I got the itch again. I couldn't not have a business. I'm telling you, it's in my blood. I could not do it. So 2018, Trump puts out the um, 2018 farm bill, which makes industrial hemp legalized and CBD is illegal. I'm like, okay. I had some money that I wanted to invest and I didn't know where to put it. And I had no idea COVID was coming. So I was like, (laughs) I want to jump on this early. Right. And, but again, like, all the things that I preached, this is how I did this. Cause I scaled this business 20 X during COVID when I can't have my own bank account. You can't advertise in the CBD space. You can't really post anything on Facebook. There's, there was, it was an impossible thing. And I chose to also not be affiliated with smoke shops or gas stations because that was the position in the market I was taking. Yeah. Everybody was a smoke shop and that's where I wanted to be the position of truth and trust. Because most people that said, oh, I've tried it and it didn't work. I said, well, where did you get it? Gas station, smoke shop. That's what I thought. And that's exactly what I want you to say because it just teased me up to say, well, guess what? We refuse. We don't even carry vapes. We only carry high-end this blah, blah, blah. And I made my own brand. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Purpose hemp. because And it was with two R's because everybody's purpose should include a little R&R. And then I had Bark Naturals. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Nice. Uh, And I wasn't even doing marketing anymore. I just kind of had the skill set, And then, and because I have an IT background as well, um, because I went back and got my master's in IT, um, I was able to do all of the marketing and all of the IT and website myself. So it was like zero money startup, just all in the cost of goods sold. But then there was Bark Naturals, which was my, um, my dog brand, my dog treat brand. And that was so your best friend can wag again. And again, a lesson there is just like, You smile on your face, right? And that's exactly what it's meant to do. It evoked an emotional response. You don't even know what it is. You probably don't even want it. But I made a connection with you and I didn't have to be present to do it. And that's the power of a brand. Anyway, I'll go back. Um, Where was I?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just crushing it, you know, just crushing it.
0: (laughs) uh, Oh, the CBD, the CBD. Yeah. Okay. So, but I did a lot of market research first. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I did is I didn't really know how I, I did a lot. I had a lot of service businesses maybe like product business was my, was my t-shirt company, but I never really understood how products work. So, and I worked in a lot of service businesses. So I was like, I'm going to get a job and take a pay cut and work in an e-commerce place. So I know how it works from the inside out. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And that was also a place where I was able to leverage their storefront and their stuff to have them sell CBD. And I could field questions and learn about people's worries and learn about the industry and find out what's quality and what's required all before I even decided to even think of a name or colors or even decide to do it. Now, I leveraged a work opportunity, and this is why there was way more value in this job than the money. The education and the way that I could leverage their resources for my own gain. Nice. Um, but when I figured it out, then I pre- that's when I knew how to position my product in a very crowded market. and. And I would go and speak and do things. And anyway, so I joined BNI with that group because that was one of the things I needed to be connected with business owners directly because this is a trust game. Um, right. And a lot of places um, don't get it. So so I did that. And then just by nature of seeing my branding, everybody kept asking me branding and marketing questions all the time. They didn't even know my background. Yeah, and And I started coaching people. And then I was like, oh, I really don't want to make an, another agency. And I'm, I'm getting close to the finish line here. I didn't right. want to do a lot. of, I, I didn't want to know because I knew what it took. And I was like, it's going to take me a decade to do an agency of any meaning and value with equity that I can I can leverage and sell. Um, so I decided just to find the gap in the market again. Where's the gap? Where most marketing agencies and coaches have a problem figuring out the brand figuring out the brain clarity and the strategy and how they're not clear, focused, or consistent. They don't know their core values. They don't know where they stand in the market. They don't know any of the, And Nobody wants to do this work. So now in a crowded market full of um, agencies and creatives, I'm not more con- competition. I'm now an asset that makes your job easier and you sell for me. And I scaled that business faster than I've ever scaled any other business in my life. And I didn't have a website. I didn't have a business card. I just had a logo. That's it.
1: Even though the business was the same as their business in the general sense, you were yeah. a, a section. But they of could. But they don't
0: do the strategy. Right. They just yeah. they'll ask a few questions. What's your favorite color? Give me some logos that you like. Wrong questions. Because right. what you like matters yeah. this much. Yeah. What they like, what you're ser- who you're serving likes is all that matters, and no one wants to do the work. And so it empowers the marketing agencies to to do better work because they are equipped with all the things they need. They know how, who they are, how they think and feel and what they need. Now they can do great work. They're not, instead of being, to, to bring it full circle, being sent to a plot of land, building a shed, and it's a beautiful masterpiece shed, but no one asked for a shed. But that's all you could do because you had to make it up based on what you were told. And not and all the sheds were different. They weren't even the same design, right? Like So that's the point. Um, so anyway, so... I closed that business because I did scale it in COVID and I did a bunch of stuff, but it's just the of business is tough. Mm-hmm. And then I started that brand strategy business and I scaled it so fast and I kept seeing crossover with pivot. And I really wanted to be able to execute on these visions and these strategies without having to send them off to who knows. Right. And, and I, and we kept finding that we were serving the same clients, but doing the same admin work. So I literally sat in a, in a meeting with the owner and I said, it kind of frustrates me that we're not the same company. And year and a half of disk profiles and lawyers and figuring it out, we're merged. And now we've got a business that's worth more that does more, that really is more it, it's got this piece that empowers every other piece of our work, and everyone gets a better result. and the the last one was Zach Brands you. That was the one I did because I was trying to uh, build my own personal brand. and I always I always used to say, I can't wait to show you what happens when Zach brands you and just like lean just like lean it into the language. but mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where I've been. Um, then that's a very short, short version, but I've been doing it for a very long time. Um, all the different seats I've sat, I've been the designer, I've been the developer, I've been the project manager, I've been the strategist, I've been the social media person. And I don't want to do that work anymore. I want to help you guys do better work.
1: What I, what I love about that experience though, is every, your clients, you know what your clients are going through because you've been through it yourself with your own brands, with your own businesses, you know? And that's one of the things I love is even though I'm coming in for the sales program, there's so many excess, accessorized accessories that I can add on to it to help my clients because I operated my own business for 14 years as well. It wasn't just an agency or a consulting firm. It was an actual business that had employees and benefits and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, A real business players. With real business yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah. Real business with real business problems. So I can come in and I can help them with operations and stuff like that as uh, an accessory to what I'm doing already. Right. Um, but no, I, I love that. Cause I, now more than ever, I understand what you do versus what your business does. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And yeah. so, um, that's ex- that's exciting. Let, let me ask you this and 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 we'll close it out with this. All right, when I hear branding and strategy, you know, and I hear your experience, the 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 I guess cliché alarm bell that goes off in my head is expensive. So <laughs> and obviously I know you know how to quantify and to 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 show the end result that it pays for itself, obviously. I think we've covered that in this conversation for sure, but, but let me ask you this, what can someone expect to invest in a, whether their brand has been around for a while, it's just not a good one or they're developing a new one, you know, and I know there's a range in this. Um, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll I'll let you
0: answer. Well, it, it does, it does depend on where you are. Um, but markets shift on a regular basis. And so we always recommend that you revisit it every, every three to five years. Mm-hmm. Um, because even just looking at COVID, it changed all kinds of business models and you can't operate yeah. in the old way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say for the full, so we have a package called the Focus 360. And what that is, is a what we call the brand compass, the brand position, and the brand story. Your brand compass is your brand purpose, the vision, the mission, the core values, we're going to find out what your business goals are and pair them with marketing goals to achieve those goals. Boom. Because honestly, and I say this all the time, you could be dropped in the woods with a map and stay lost forever. But if you're in the woods with only a compass, north is always going to be north. Most marketing agencies don't understand business or branding. They understand marketing and creative. right? right. And, and that's where their folly is, right? And so they'll give you a map and they'll say, pick your place. Where do you want to go? And Mm -hmm. we'll sit down and say, this is where you need to be. And this is how you can get there to get the result that you want. It's not our job to give you a list of your favorite things. It's our job to build you a brand and marketing tools to achieve your business goals. And, and I will question every answer if I have to, to make sure I'd rather have people leave our office with nothing than the wrong thing. There's plenty of people out there that will give you whatever you like and I can help you. I can say they'll, they'll pick, they'll let, they'll let you use your, your favorite colors. They'll use all of your favorite words. They'll name the business after a personal joke, anything they want, anything you want, but they might not get you anything you need. Right. So, so that's the, the brand compass Then the brand position. We really dig, deep dive into like, what's your unique value proposition? And what do you actually sell? Like going back to the plenty of room in the back for crayons and, and mm-hmm. snacks. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we do a market analysis. We do a Porter's five forces analysis, which is really understanding like what kind of buyer power and supplier power are there, um, and other things. So like supplier power would be, for example, for the CBD, if I only had one manufacturer, then if they go out of business, then my whole business is out. That's too mm-hmm. much power. I had to diff- now, knowing that ahead of time, I had to differentiate my suppliers. Right. So, uh, the SWOT analysis and then, um, a few others so that we can kind of really a competitive analysis to really understand where you are. Um, and all of this should be done before you even think of colors, because for example, Coca-Cola had a stranglehold on the, the, the market and they were definitively red. And even though red is psychologically better color to attract you more to the drink, Pepsi couldn't choose red. They had to, they had to pivot to blue so that it would be fundamentally different and easy to recognize. And that was great branding. Yeah. Um, and now, and they and they've stayed number two for decades, mm-hmm. um, So then there's the brand position anyway. And then we give you avatars and we pair those things. And now, now that you know who you are as a company, where you stand in the market, the brand story is figuring out what your tone of voice is. So you can be consistent, figuring out what your brand's personality archetype is. So that again, in this process, you sometimes find that your the way you're presenting yourself is contradictory to the person you have to be, or the, or the image you have to uphold to attract the clientele that you want. And so now you have to make a decision. That either you change your brand to attract these people or you change the people you want to attract. And otherwise, you're going to be met with friction in every process forever. Um, and so there's so just telling you this, this isn't just about colors or branding. We don't even talk about the colors. But when we really figure out what the people feel when they buy and experience your product or service, then we can talk about colors. When we know who, exactly who you're competing against, then we can talk about colors and names. And all those things, because we want you to be successful. We don't want you to just be done. We're more partners than anything else. So anyway, so then we'll actually build you building blocks that are, that are appeal to the psychological wants and desires and fears of the archetypes that we figured out, and the and the personas. And then we'll write you a script and a one liner that you can use right away. And to show you how you can infinitely remix all these color, all, all these things. So right there, again, you get that. Which again, that right there empowers any other marketing place that you ever go to, mm-hmm. any salesperson, and helps you make firing and hiring decisions, lowers the attrition rate on the value of 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 um, things with mergers and acquisitions, and with just the attrition rate of your own internal staff because you're you're attracting people that align with your core values, and they wouldn't leave forever. Google versus gas station. Yeah. So, so that's that's our big that's our ten thousand dollar product. And that is a long process, but you get, a, you get an actual printed and bound thing. We don't want to just hand these deliverables back to you in a Google doc. These need to be shared and embodied and all the things and, and, and talked about and visual and visible. Um, and then from that platform, you can now make business decisions. You can make marketing decisions that yeah. are strategic and not guesswork. Like one of the other things that I say all the time is we help you plan and strategize so you're not spending and guessing. Most people would rather spend $20,000 throwing 100 arrows in the air and listening for which one's hit instead of $10,000 to practice archery. Yeah. (laughs) And we're trying to tell you it's half the price with unmeasurable exponential gains because you'll know what to do and you'll know how to pivot and you'll know where to position yourself and you'll know how to communicate it and you won't have to repeat it over and over it's documented. That's even, that's super important. And so there's, we have an actual proprietary workbook that we go through. And so there's a whole lot um, that we go through. And that's it. Like I said, that's a 10,000. But if, if one was to want just regular coaching, we do that too. And that's more like on the $500 a month kind of thing on average. Right. Um, but then we also will break up with the focus 360. It's more of a deal. So if you just want the brain compass. Um, then we'll do that for like four grand. And if you just want the brand position, we'll do that for four grand. And if you just want the brand story, it'll be harder to do, but some people are actually further along and they don't need it. So again, we're not trying to ever, no, go ahead.
1: They, they have one of those pieces done or not maybe to to y'all's extreme, but they have something there. So they need the other thing.
0: We would probably just try to polish what they have. Like a lot of people have vision and mission, but they mix them up and, and reverse them. Yeah. Um, and core values that are generic and and nobody cares about them and nobody talks about them. So what are they, you know, like it's, it's gotta be something that livens you up. It's gotta be the reason why you get up every day. Yeah. And, and everything has to be talking about the same thing, but not repeating itself, right? Like kids, you say their same name three times and they stop listening. Cause we're hardwired to like save calories if we know what's going to keep happening. So we, we recognize <laughs> patterns. No, it's true. It's first time I've heard it that way. I love that. Hard
1: no, it's true. And save so
0: calories. We are. Because it's cognitive load. And so we're only hardwired yeah. to survive or thrive. And whenever we build marketing, we build it with psychological pieces in mind. So uh, I mean, if you I... said my name, Zach, 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 I'd stop listening because my my brain says nope, he's gonna say Zach again. What's what's gonna help me survive or thrive? But if you said right. Zach, Zachary, Zach, Zachariah, I listened to every single one of those and it was the same thing, but it wasn't repeating the same thing.
1: Fantastic. Um yeah i i understood that about the brain because you know that's the reason we struggle with discipline because our brains are always trying to get us from a to b in the easiest way possible right mm-hmm. and and but putting it that way it just makes it click so much faster which is what you do for a living a hundred percent is that communication right whether it's communication the logo communication of the mission values the brand whatever the case is you're very good at what you do just for being on this call with you zach i appreciate you so much for jumping on here with us we're going to include all of Zach's links in the show notes. Um, and then he's got his QR code of course that you can access if you're watching this on YouTube. So definitely get with Zach. And I would not recommend this to any of my clients, but Zach is doing it. He's got a link that says pick my brain for free on zoom, which if you, if you guys have been listening to this podcast, you understand how valuable that is. So take advantage of that. If you'd like to, uh, I can guarantee it's going to be worth it because it's free. <laughs> you
0: know what I'm saying? 30 and, minutes, uh, break my brain.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an amazing, amazing offer right there. So take advantage of that, guys. Or you can reach them at 603-82-PIVOT. 603-82-PIVOT. Uh, Zach, thank you so much again for uh, coming on the show. I have one last question for you. Um, sure. And it's more of a personal question. What does legacy mean to you? And what legacy
0: do you want to leave behind? Legacy means to me being the example in everything you do all the time and not because people are watching you and not because you'll get credit for it. It's about being the example for the times that you don't get credit for it and for people who don't tell you that they saw it, but it did mean a whole lot because they saw somebody else doing it. And legacy to me is to pass that on, that example onto my children and and also to pass that practice onto my children.
1: Beautiful answer, man. Uh, being an example is a huge, a huge part of what I do. You know, I learned that from a mentor of mine and, uh, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't ask for a better answer, brother. Thank you so much for sharing that with us.
0: Happy to thank you so much for having me, Doug. I w- had a blast. I really hope people learned a lot. Um, I'd be happy to, again, just have a, a discovery call. If if you have a, Problem with Another another way that we communicate is that if you're having a marketing problem, give it to Pivot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it so much. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, everybody listening, as always, like share. Definitely this episode. I better see it on some of y'all's social media timeline when it releases. And uh let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.